Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Waffle. This is your host Mark Hirons and today we are speaking with Audrey Elise, all the way from Denver, Colorado. On the show today we talk about 100 day Instagram projects, coffee, client work, how to deal with clients, the struggles and dreams of being a freelancer and we find out more about today's guest. So without further ado, this is my chat with Audrey Elise. So first of all, can we talk a bit about your background and uh, how you got into design and your, um, your education and first knew you wanted to be a designer? Yeah, so I got that, I got into design in the old sort of internet days of back and like dial up and everything like that. Um, there were some really cool sort of older communities and um, I actually got into it like Neopets and like user profiles and Zanga and MySpace and all of those sort of forums and a lot of those things had you can make graphics for them and so that's how I actually because I was part of those those communities and I was an artist I started making like user profiles and stuff and that is what first got me interested in design and through that I came across um, some really cool designers like Paul Nolbert and Ali Moss and um, those cool like OG designers and I saw on their site they had this beautiful work on on their site it had like a client list like Nike and New York Times and it was just like I make awesome shit give me money and I'll make awesome shit for you and I thought that was the coolest thing ever and I thought that that would be such an amazing way to make a living so ever since I was like little I wanted to be a freelancer I wanted to have my own site for people to like just see me and hire me to do awesome work so that's kind of how I got into it. And I continued to pursue design throughout high school and graduated high school. Wasn't, wasn't able to go to school um, and you know, took a few years off just figuring out life. And then I decided that I wanted to make it happen. So I started up an Etsy shop and I designed like little Etsy banners and like logos for, you know, just really small businesses like grandma who sells like, you know, sweaters that she knit and stuff. And from there to now, I guess I always just wanted more kind of like, I always wanted to like level up, you know, I didn't want to stay on Etsy. I wanted to have my own, my own website, which is a lot harder to do. It's a lot harder to, to, to not have to be on the marketplace for people to hire you. And through that, you know, I've just been constant student of design and learning however I can, whether that be books that I just like find in Barnes and Noble or, you know, uh, places like Skillshare or just looking up YouTube tutorials or if I don't know how to do something, just like Google. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of background and, and how and education, I guess, self-taught just, you know, over the years, just figuring it out, I guess. All right, so how did it work on Etsy? Like, how did that sort of work? Uh, with clients uh so how it work is that i would uh you would have like pre-made logos so that would usually just be a font that you bought or um maybe some clip art or something like that 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 they couldn't trademark it but they can use it to represent their business and that would kind of act as your portfolio ish like this is my style and uh then you would have like custom logos and stuff like that that people could purchase the great thing about something like etsy um, is that you can get through a large body of work rather quickly. So, and that really is the difference when you're starting out in design, when, you know, you're not generating the kind of work that you see in your head, the difference between the only way to get to how you design when you start to how you want to design later is just getting through that large body of work. Etsy is great 
and places like Etsy, I mean, Fiverr sucks, you know, 99design sucks, but they, they can serve a purpose in that it can make you um, work your ass off, quite honestly. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about Etsy. The downside of a marketplace like that is that you're going to be priced compared to everyone else, and the, you're not going to be able to make much money. I mean, you cannot charge a what you should quote-unquote charge for a logo on some place like Etsy. You have to understand that you're who the clientele is. A lot of them can't and really shouldn't spend a lot on a logo. And further, the downside of that, some people take advantage of that because I definitely had a few clients that could afford to like pay a lot for a logo and they just chose me. But yeah, that's kind of how it works. Um, so that's the downside. You can't, since it is like a listing and people just purchase off of it, like purchase your services, you can't say like, oh, your products have been in vogue and you have all of this press and you're clearly a big company. No, like you can't really do that. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's how it works. Is it quite a competitive place or, or is it? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think it's competitive. Uh, I think, you know, that's hard to answer. It's competitive in the sense to sell. It's not competitive in the sense of like people being good designers. Right. I would say, I would say that cause you're kind of, you kind of have to pander to the trends. Like I think Etsy is still like in the watercolor calligraphy trend kind of thing that was really big when I was on there. So, I mean, yes and no. I guess I, guess I view that differently. I definitely view competitiveness as like being a good designer when not everyone like views it that way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Etsy seems like handmade stuff to me. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people selling like craft stuff and craft bits and bobs. But do you think there's like a, a market for logo design on there? Oh yeah, there's a huge market. Because Etsy is, I mean, there's a huge market for design for people who can't afford an actual designer. Most designers, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I would assume most designers on there are not like full-time designers. It's probably a lot of stay-at-home moms who that's a way to, to make some income, you know? But yeah, it's, you have to remember how many people are trying to make like side income right now. So I think that that's actually a really interesting, a few people have tried to solve that problem. People who can't afford logo designs, there's been a few, like now they have like AI logo designs. I don't know if you've seen those sites, yeah. like logo generators. Absolutely. So it's, kind of, it's kind of the same market as that. Like, you know, people who, who just have an idea, they want to get something up, they just need some text, they don't want Comic Sans. Yeah. Something, so. It's quite a lot of websites like that now, these days, like offering website uh, logo designs for, for next to nothing. And then, also slapping it on uh, branding like brochures and stuff and just slap, slap logo slapping and uh, we'll see where it goes but yeah like you say there's like a, there's a clear divide between people that can afford designers and um, people that you know can only afford these these sort of people already need them because your local builder down the road doesn't you know doesn't really need like, a really well designed logo as long as it's different from the next builder and you can distinguish it it's okay that's an interesting one actually because you can you can make quite a good side income um like you say from doing these quicker logo jobs. Interesting one for, uh, for people, anyone who's listening that might need that. What well, have you had any struggles whilst being self-employed? A billion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, of course, it's always about money. It's always about where am I going to get my next job? Um, typically at a lower price point too, the clients aren't as good. I've been really lucky. I At every stage, I've, I've worked with really lovely people, but there was there's definitely been a difference in working with bigger budgets it's just you know you're working with with people who run a business too a successful business too so there's kind of a mutual respect there and then nowadays it's mainly like time management and it's 
um, being very mindful of your time and being very mindful of, I don't know, like it's hard to articulate just because when you're just starting out and you think that, oh gosh, as soon as I just get jobs and as soon as I just have consistent money coming in, then all of the problems are going to go away and it's going to be smooth sailing from there. It's not quite like that. Like wherever, whatever level you're at, even if you're getting consistent inquiries and everything, there's always going to be like new struggles and new things that you have to learn, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like a client's going to want something else or or like you can't do something that the client wants and have to learn something extra. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're a freelancer. You go into design studios. Is that right? Isn't it? I, well, I do remote work for a few studios. Yeah. How's that been? Like, how's it been working with another design studio? Like then art directing you and, and telling you what to do? It's been amazing. Like, I love it. I, I work with such cool people. And it's been such a pleasure to learn from some really seasoned creative directors who have like been doing this for decades and know what they're doing. And just being able to not, I mean, I love my clients. I, I, like I said before, I work with really, really cool people. Um, but it's, it is nice to just only communicate with like producers and creative directors and not deal with like client feedback and have to, you know, navigate that and, phone calls all I get is I get like creative brief or sometimes I get like like this morning like I just got stuff like circled on the thing like what to fix and stuff like that and then I just I do it and then I send it off to them and I'm done like I don't have to make you know uh presentations or you know talk through or sell a design like you do to a client I just make it and and I also have the benefit of learning from someone else's experience, which is really cool as someone who's been self-taught and, you know, just a freelancer up to this point. Yeah. So that cuts out the middle, man, like uh, sort of gets rid of the, the boringness of the job, you know, get, just get straight down to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice just to do that. Just It's nice to have a day where all I have to do is really design. I need some more of those. <laughs> <laughs> What's what sort of uh, well? Have you ever had any like sort of time problems with like, like deadlines, and they've had you, you set deadline, and then you've you've never met it? And how do you overcome those? I mean, I've done that. I've never done that with an agency because um, they book me by day, and it's like mm-hmm. I have a pretty good handle on how long things take me. Every now and then, with a client, you know, uh, we'll miss deadlines, and it can be for a number of reasons. Sometimes it is just because I know I haven't. It's not there yet. And then you just communicate and you're like, eh, it's not there. And, and sometimes there is, there's ever like a hard deadline, you know, part of being a freelancer and part of, I think, brand design. Because people, it sounds lame, like design emergencies. But when you're responsible for the logo and for the brands, like that's actually a legitimate thing. Like you have to get that done. Um, so sometimes it is just, you know, you work weekends, you work until 3, 4 a.m. And you make sure that the client meets the deadline. Um, but if you're not up against like a hard firm deadline just communicate and be like hey can i have an extra day because that stuff happens and most people are going to prefer that you take that extra time and make it good and perfect versus like oh well i said i i meant to deliver the logos on wednesday so i'm gonna send something that's not up to standard in order to meet the deadline so it's definitely like a case-by-case basis and makes sense situation is yeah cool uh let's go on to your is it 100 day uh instagram project yeah uh so logos how how do you keep them coming every day like how do you never do you ever run out of, out of ideas or do you ever get creative block how do you keep them fresh i mean i pull in 
inspiration from so many different things. I mean, sometimes it does take me a minute to like, okay, what am I going to do today? But it's also something I'm thinking about every day and like being like, huh, I wonder what I'm going to do today. There's a bit of a rhythm to it. You'll notice like I, I don't ever do like two logo types in a row. I don't typically do two like, um, you know, icons in a row. But yeah, I mean, I'll do them on places. On I'll, I've dedicated quite a few to different people. Um, the last one I did was just um, done for a person. And it's fun too because, you know, you it, it's so much fun designing a logo for a person because you can pull so many different things from their personality. Uh, like Southern was done for a person. He's from Florida. So many of my memories with him are like waves. And so there's like waves, Florida. He's... You know, the one that I did today, uh, that person, whenever I saw him, he was always wearing like pink and blue and stuff like that. And and we have and we love to go out for cocktails. So that's why I did it distillery. And it's just like little memories and stuff like that that I'll put in the logo. And, you know, that's actually what made me like fall in love with brand design is storytelling and like putting a personality into a logo. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many it's hard a lot of days, especially if um, I'm wanting to do other things, if I'm wanting to go out with friends, if I'm wanting to hang out in the back of my head, it's like, okay, it's midnight and I haven't started. Like I break out the laptop, take a break and like do it real quick. Yeah. So, but I also have, I didn't last year, but this year I've cheated a little bit. I've used, used client work a few times that I had to design that day because I realized like it's 3 a.m. I'm not going to kill myself in order to like, I'm still going to post a logo every day and it's going to be uh, something I've never posted before. But I mean, I, this, this go around, I had to like cheat a tiny bit. <laughs> Uh, that's all right though. I think that as long as you stay true to it, you're, st- you're sticking consistent and you're uh, doing the 100 days, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, big achievement as well. I did the 30, 30 day logo challenge once and halfway through it just got it's just rubbish work. You just <laughs> turn it out and at least you're, you're pulling uh, things from different places and getting inspiration from all over the place is fantastic. Yeah. And you're talking about uh, relating it to people as well. When, when you're storytelling for a brand, how do you? go about asking them questions to get the right information out of them what sort of things do you ask I mean I have my question I have like a questionnaire that I send that I have sort of I've put together over the years and I've always gotten really positive feedback and through that it's really through experience and asking questions because you realize you learn what questions get the best response and you also learn questions that clients tend to skip or not want to spend the time on so that has been just a learning experience. One of my favorite questions to ask is, um, give me three brands that you like the brand of that are in a different industry than yours. Because if the key is, is in a different industry, because a lot of times if you just ask what are three brands that you like the branding of, they'll tell you three big brands that are successful, not necessarily, it's not necessarily that their brand is good. It's just that they're successful. So I think having people think outside of the box is really important when you ask questions and to get the kind of information you need um, to make beautiful work. So, yeah. yeah. That's good. What other, what sort of other questions do you ask? Like, give me, can you give me another one? Uh, I, well, I ask what their business goals are and I might, depending on the, uh, depending on the company, I might kind of expound on that. Like, for example, if I do a lot of work in um, the beauty and wellness industry, 
And so if I'm designing something for skincare, it's really important to know whether or not that's ever going to be on the actual shelf, whether it's going to be an online only product or whether it's going to be they're wanting to get into a store. And if they're wanting to get into a store, it's also really important to know what stores they want to get into because designing for, you know, a big box store like Target is going to be a lot different than designing for something like anthropology. You know, asking about the specifics like of the product and, and things. Yeah, because you want to design something that is going to have to appeal to their buyers yeah. and belong on the shelf, but also be mindful of other things that are going to be on the shelf so they stick out. So those kind of questions are really important. Just like thinking big picture, thinking you know what they're going to, what they're going, to, where eventually the the brand is going to live, and then. Another thing I like asking is what are the goals and what are the goals that um, business goals and what adjectives should you use to describe your brand? And then having them narrow those goals down, like start with five of those things then go down to three, then go to, the, to one. So then you can kind of see the order of priority of what they're trying to achieve. And that can really help drive in the direction of the whole project. That's great, yeah, because a lot of people uh, who are starting out in design and starting out for first clients listening to this podcast, so it'd be, be cool to give them a few tips, so thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Like, talking about this personality stuff as well, um, it seems like re- re- very relevant to you, um, being sort of very clean and, and minimal, and uh, like you said, you work in this health and skincare uh, sort of area quite a lot. Um, it feels like that in your work as well. Like, How much of you is in your work? I would say a lot. I mean, it used to be more this sounds bad it used to be more than it is now I think that as designers at least with like the daily logo series it's hard to not just design for yourself and to remember the brand and I think that as a designer it's it can be hard and it can be a challenge to balance putting you in your work and being so good and being so specialized in something because you want to be specialized. At least, I mean, there's a few different schools of thought in that. My view is that you should be specialized because you want to be the only person who does what you do and that's what makes people, you know, cross the ocean to work with you. I mean, having that's what makes them pick you over someone else. But then you also don't want to put so much of yourself that you forget the brand and it looks like you and not the brand. Yeah. And yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely something that is mindful of. And I put a lot of myself in my work, obviously, but um, I do try to push that boundary and do things that make me a little bit uncomfortable or um, challenge myself in some way. Because if I was just designing for myself, like everything would be black and white. <laughs> like, I love black and white. I love black. So, um, trying to put, you know, working with colors that I wouldn't necessarily use, but you know, are appropriate for for the brand. So yeah, it's like a balancing act. But I would say quite a bit of my focus in my work. Nice. Uh, also, being a freelance, how do you separate your work life balance? I think that I think it's important. Because I hear a lot of talk on work-life balance. It's it's a topic that comes up a lot. And I think that it's important to have, um, like for me, I have certain things that nothing is going to get in the way of. Like I don't care what's on my plate. Like I like I like to go on runs. And that's kind of my me time. And sometimes I can be bad about this. Like when I started the Lolo series, I like stopped running for a month. 
But now it's like, it doesn't matter what phone calls I have scheduled that or that needs might need to be scheduled. It doesn't matter what needs to be done during the day. I'm going to take the hour and I'm going to go out and I'm going to go for a run because that's, that's your mind. Yeah. yeah. And just scheduling in places that, you know, work can't touch, I think is really important. And that can be hard to do, especially because a lot of freelancers do work. It kind of, it's a requirement almost like you kind of do have to work a lot of hours to get it going, but like carving out that time and taking a day off every now and then, and just being like, no, like nothing is happening this day. You know, this day is mine. I think is important to just like not die. So yeah, like a reset, like every now and yeah. then. So you're saying when you're starting out, you have to work, obviously, to get yourself up and running. Uh, and But every, you know, you should take breaks because you should schedule those breaks within the work so you, so you don't burn out. Yeah. It's important to know where you fall on the spectrum to whether or not you need to work more or whether or not you need to work less and to like know yourself. Because right. I think people a lot of time fall on either side of the spectrum. I don't think that there's, I think it's pretty rare that someone is right down the center and they just have it all you know, balance. So yeah, just being, just being mindful of who you are as a person, you know, having some self-awareness on where you are on that spectrum and adjusting accordingly. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the last few questions I ask everyone, uh, first of all, your best purchase under a hundred dollars. Coffee. Nice. Nice. I like that. One. Yeah. Why, why coffee? Cause I have a ritual every morning and I, it's actually, it takes like the whole thing takes like an hour every morning like the process of getting the coffee but um i love san francisco and in san francisco there's a coffee shop called blue bottle and they were the first coffee shop i ever found that did this they didn't put syrup in their coffee they didn't have sweetener in their coffee they had like a bottle of like honey syrup on like the bar and you could you could pour that in and like adjust it to your taste and the coffee shop that is quite a ways um south of me is like the only one in the area that does that and the thing about that is that I when you when you drink coffee every day it's very frustrating getting different baristas because they all make it a little bit differently but with that one thing like I can control and make it the same every single morning and it's also just a great ritual is really important to me starting my day it's when I kind of like I've already read my emails I'm kind of digesting everything I'm seeing what my day is gonna look like so it's not just the coffee I guess it's that whole like ritual of getting the caffeine that's like a really important part to my day that's that's an, having like a ritual like a routine is important anyway i think that's good yeah. good for the brain and um i've read a lot of things about this like just having that everyday's thing the schedule doing this is actually on track you know you know where you're going yeah um, be all over the place rushing around so that's cool uh, second is your best design advice my best design advice design every day well not every day we all need breaks but design as much as you can is my best advice because a lot of people you know i get i get asked a lot of questions i talk to a lot of people who are like unhappy with their career or their portfolio or like whatever that may be a lot of that can be solved by just designing and like pouring into your craft because i think it's important to remember that this is a craft like this is a skill and you can't just you know, learn Photoshop or, you know, work on your portfolio once in a blue moon and suddenly feel accomplished or whatever. You need to really get after it and you need to want it if you really want to, you know, have a career in it. So yeah, that's my advice. Just 
pour time and effort and energy and invest in your craft. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, last of all, the big question is, <laughs> how, do, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as being kind and like and sweet and a decent human being. <laughs> how do you want to be remembered in the design world, if at all? Oh, gosh. I don't know. That's such a big... I still don't know like where my career is going to take me. I'm very open. I think... I mean, I'm still a youngin, you know? So... Uh, I think that I think that that's like to be decided. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, where can people say hello to you and follow you on social media and all that? I'm the most active on Instagram, and it's underscore Audrey Elise. And I, you can also find me on my website, which is Audrey dot is Audrey Perfect. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Go and support Audrey and say hello over on Instagram, underscore Audrey Elise. Links will be in the description below as well. And if you enjoyed the episode, why not share it with a friend? Show some love by subscribing and liking the video. And leave a comment down below on your thoughts on this podcast. Thank you very much for listening and supporting Blue Designer and the podcast. As always, I'll see you in the next one.